maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. If it was a horrendous crime, why didn't I shoot them between the eyes, cut their penis off? People say Ted Bundy didn't show any emotion. There must be something in there. Uh, he was saving body parts such as uh, skulls and uh, skeletons. Okay, this week's episode of Murdery or Murder IE, however you want to say it. <laughs> I like it murdery, so don't say it the other way. Okay. <laughs> um, Alyssa's going to talk about Craig Gregerson. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the enunciation. <laughs> I, I sometimes I feel like parents don't say their kids' first and last names together when they name them. Please do that. Please say it's their like first, people, middle, and last, first, last. It's like when people name their kids. Like, I mean, this is an, it's almost as bad, but not as bad as when people are like, William Williamson. Yeah, get a <gasps> life. Get a life. Craig Gregerson. Okay. Um, this is actually a pretty well-known case if you live in Utah. But there was not actually like a lot of information when I was doing the research. So this might be a bit short, but I only want to say things that I like read or learned in school because we, some of our teachers actually worked on this case. I don't remember this case, but if I remember what you're talking about, things will be said. Yeah, (laughs) you'll remember when I start talking about it. Um, Actually, one of our favorite female teachers, you know who it is. I don't want to name drop. But she worked our on this case, teacher. our blood spatter teacher, and she told us a lot about it. So it was really cool. We're probably not supposed to say that. Sorry. Um, okay. Not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> so I, as I was doing my research, I saw a little fact pop up that was, it was like a little poster thing. And it said, the average person walks by 36 murders in their lifetime. So I looked into that a little more, and there's actually an article that does like the actual math of it and stuff. And it's actually closer to like 11 people in your lifetime that you will pass that is a murderer. Um, But this case is particularly interesting to me because I went to junior high and to high school with Craig Gregerson. I sat next to him in my 10th grade English class. He was super weird in high school, very pale. You could tell he didn't get out much. He didn't have a lot of friends. Um, Sitting next to him in English, I remember like consciously making an effort to say hello or like be kind to him just because I was like, this guy is a freak. Like I do not want to be on his bad side. I don't want him to be mad for anything I have done. Like just say hello and be nice to him. Um, Anyway. Okay. Let's jump right into it. I know Craig. Here we go. So his victim, her name is Destiny Ann Norton. She was born on November 30th, 2000. Her parents, Rick and Rachel Norton, had one other daughter younger than Destiny. Her name is Trinity. And at the time of Destiny's disappearance, uh, the mom, Rachel, was actually pregnant with their third child, a girl that was due about a month after Destiny went missing. Destiny's parents had lived a rough life growing up. They mostly raised themselves on the streets. But in the summer of 2006, when Destiny was five years old, they were living in Salt Lake City, Utah, in a rundown apartment in the downtown area. Um, Several other families actually lived in this apartment with them. They called this their street family. They're people that they just met throughout their life growing up, Mm -hmm. you know, as teens in the area. I remember this case now, and now I'm upset. Yeah, I'm 
It's a, it's <laughs> honestly it's a rough one, and I was typing like really angrily when I was doing it, and my husband kept looking at me, and I was like, just look away. This is a hard one. Um, so anyway, they they met their street family at something called the Drum Circle. This is a really cool event they do every Sunday in Liberty Park, located in downtown Salt Lake. It's just a large group of people that get together. They bring drums and guitars, and they basically hang out and jam. I know drinking and smoking is involved, even though you're not park sp- supposed to not do supposed that. To do- but it if is. you've been to Liberty Park, I mean, now it's a lot cleaner than it was, but... but- it's kind of like it's, homeless it central was a, in downtown Salt Lake. It, it's very close to the homeless shelter. Yeah, the Rio Grande, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. I don't know. Well, don't. it's close to the Rio Grande, but the actual homeless shelter is right over there. Right I over there somewhere. I don't know what it's called. Um, anyway, Destiny was described by her mom as a good kid with lots of dreams about life. She always wanted to be the best at everything she could. She wanted to be a veterinarian when she got older and one day told her mom that she was going to buy her a house and her dad a motorcycle. Sweet girl. Sweet little five-year-old girl. So now we're going to move on to the douche of the case. Craig Gregerson grew up in Orem, Utah, which is obviously where I grew up. Just to give you an idea, like when you say Utah, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Utah. Mormons. Mormons. Yeah. Okay. You didn't, you weren't fast enough. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I don't know where you want we me to go with this. Of that. <laughs> um, so just to give you an idea of how Utah Orm actually is, we are located in Utah County and all growing up and all the people I know, we call it the bubble because... You, because basically Orem is Provo, which is where BYU, BYU is, is located, which is the largest LDS Mormon college. college. Yeah. So it's extremely Mormon there. Um, I grew up with people that were like homeschooled that never wore pants. Weird. Like she didn't wear pants, just dresses. And I, I was like, I don't get it. I don't. My parents, I was raised Mormon. My parents are still LDS, but it was never that hardcore. Like we, we were allowed to swim on Sundays and just be chill anyway. Okay. This is not a Mormon podcast. Let's move on. Um, So Craig was the seventh of eight children in his large Mormon family, which is very common. Craig attended Orem High School until he dropped out after 10th grade. Um, As I said, I do remember sitting... I know. So he had to to get out. He had to get out. One person said hello to me today, so I better leave school. Better jump ship. Better drop out. Um, So anyway, I do remember sitting next to him in English class, but until I read the research on this, I had no idea that he had dropped out. So that's how big of an <laughs> impression. I was like, gotta be nice to this psycho, but I'll never but I saw didn't... you again and I don't remember. Yeah, but I didn't realize that you disappeared from school yeah. and I never saw sorry, you Sorry, not again. sorry. <laughs> that really shocked me when I was doing the research. Anyway, I apologize. Um, And I always pause like this because I lose my place. He had he did have a few odd jobs after high school, but one of his brothers described him as being a lazy person. So, I mean, he worked for like a temp agency and Radio Shack. So just uh, kind of like just odd um, minimum wage kind of jobs. Odd minimum wage jobs. Obviously, he didn't graduate high school. He's not going to college anywhere. He got married pretty young from what I have read. Um, 
He did have previous criminal charges for assault and domestic violence. In December of 2004, which was like the December right after we graduated high school, he was said to have choked and punched his mother-in-law when she was asking him to leave her house. So he was obviously like upset about something. She's saying, get the hell out. And he choked and punched her. Which, um, for someone who has worked with victims of domestic violence and especially those with strangulation, like when people are like, Oh, I accidentally choked him or I accidentally strangled. Like you're in my opinion, strangling someone or choking them is actually attempted murder because there are a lot more, um, like there are after effects that come with strangulation Yeah, that you may have accidentally did it, but you're blocking their airway to the point where they can't breathe and they can't like, it's very possible that you've done damage that their throat can close up after the fact. Well, and if you're accidentally like I can see, okay, say you have a domestic violence situation and somehow you guys fall or tumble together or something and someone is choked in the process. That's an accident. For a second, we fell and I was choked while we were falling. After that, there's that's not a, you put your hands mm-hmm. on her throat and you choked her. Like, yeah, you did that on purpose. Craig. Um, On another occasion, Craig threw his one-year-old child across the bed after the child accidentally kicked some food off of his lap. So I'm imagining him, like, sitting with his plate or something, and the baby maybe kicked it. So he throws the baby because of that. I have so many words, which is funny because, like, it's really, like, kids are a real sensitive spot for me. Yeah. Um, And... My son actually asked me a couple weeks ago, because I think we were watching, I don't remember. He's like, can parents be arrested? Like, can parents be bad and, like, go to prison? Like, because they are, like, mean enough to, like, hurt their kids. And I was like, yeah. I was like, but I've I've worked That's like with. what you did. I, like, I had yeah. parents arrested for hurting children. I was like, and one of my, like, one of my last cases was like that. And, and I was like, that mother didn't get enough time yeah yeah it's bananas to me it and i like my dad always says i don't ever know how anyone could hurt a little kid and i'm like i know and my kids drive me bananas and up the wall but well it's like when you when you are in the hospital and you have a child like they force you to watch the shaken shaken baby 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 video video and you're like the fact that you have to watch that like, video that's ridiculous. Like is because it's it's happened it's enough because it's happening that um, much that it's a problem. And I remember thinking like just set your baby down and walk and like that's what the video and walk says. Away. Is set him down, put him in another room, walk away, put him in their down. crib, walk away. Because they can scream it out for a few minutes. They'll be like, fine. Yeah. I uh, You don't have to deal with the stress. You can take a minute to catch your breath. Mm-hmm. And not be as angry. Anyway, throwing your baby to me as a mom would be like a huge red flag. I would be like, uh, get You're the hell out. You're not. Nuts. Yeah. And also, like, if you punched my mom, if you punched my mom, <laughs> no one would know because you wouldn't have lived to tell the story. <laughs> like, it would have just ended there. Get, get the hell out of here. You punched her mom. Like, I can't. So, okay, here we go into the day of. 
On July 16th, 2006, Destiny was playing in the backyard area of her apartment. So was he still married at this time? So, yes. So at this time, Craig is living with his wife and his young child. I can't remember if it was a boy or girl, um, but the kid's not part of it. So let's just say young child. He, I'm sure that kid doesn't want to be remembered it, oh, yeah. for I would, what his terrible father has done. Yeah. So when you look at photos of like Destiny's house and Craig's house, they're like within 100 feet of each other. And these homes in downtown, they're pretty run down, um, but they all have a shared backyard. So I guess technically they're apartments, but they look like little houses and they have backyards. Um, so Destiny was playing in the backyard area. Um, she was lured by Craig Gregerson into his apartment where he lived with his wife, Catherine, and their young child. When Destiny could not be found by her parents, they immediately contacted Salt Lake City Police. This sparked an enormous eight-day hunt for the young girl. Something like 5,000 volunteers gathered and were searching for her, including the Salt Lake Police and the FBI came in to search the downtown area for Destiny. Craig and his wife, because they lived so close and they obviously could see, it's like your freaking neighbor right next door, their kid is missing. So Craig and his wife go out and they, they help, they help the search, search for Destiny. Um, uh, after they participated in the search, obviously authorities are wanting to search homes nearby, especially the homes with the adjoining backyard. So Craig lets the FBI agents in his home to look around and see if they can find anything. They ask them a few questions. They did not find Destiny during that search. Days after Destiny went missing, police re- received two leads on the case. A witness had spotted a young girl in Farmington, Utah, which Farmington, if you're driving north, is about 20 minutes from Salt Lake. She was sitting in a truck at a gas station. The girl had silver front teeth and blonde hair, which matched the description that was going out of Destiny. Um, Poliso also had a... Poliso. That's what I just said. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying really hard. Good words are hard today. It's so hard. (laughs) Police also had a tip that Craig may be involved in the crime. So after following up on both tips, they were unable to locate the truck, but at this point it didn't matter because officers had already brought Craig in for questioning and he had agreed to take a polygraph test. He failed. Good. Surprise, surprise. Craig. Like you're the smartest person. Like I don't really like polygraph tests, but when someone I know is bad fails, fails it, it makes I'm me like, feel you're really a freaking good. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> So after being notified of the results, Craig gives a full confession of what he did, and he also tells authorities where they could find Destiny's body. Craig had actually been planning the kidnapping for some time, and will say that he even like fantasized about it beforehand. Um, he had written plans for the kidnapping that he had completed prior to kidnapping Destiny. These um, idiots and their evidence. <laughs> just... <laughs> Did did you want my journal, officers? Because I wrote it in my freaking diary because I'm a dickhead. I can't. I can't. This guy. I can't. Okay. Um, now I'm upset that you were nice to him in high I know. School. I'm like, you know when you think back and you have regrets and you're like, damn it, I should have been nicer to that person. I'm like, God, I wish I would have headbutted him and broke his nose right in the middle of class. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Just walk in without saying you're anything like, I know what you're gonna fucking and do. just freaking <laughs> headbutt him in the nose I don't know that makes me feel good to think about um so he lures her into his apartment and 
Of course, she's five years old. She gets scared. She asks to leave, and Craig decides to restrain her. Destiny starts to scream, so Craig uses his hand to cover her nose and mouth, and eventually Destiny goes limp. He carried her lifeless body to the dirty, disgusting basement of his home and sexually assaulted her. This is after she has Sweet died. Baby girl. So I'm I'm really, really glad he didn't hurt her or do anything terrible to her before she died. Sure. But you are an disgusting piece of trash for doing this after the fact. Um we so, are remembering more about this case and I'm getting even more upset. I know. It's it's so frustrating. So he he puts her body in a large plastic black garbage sack and then into one of those big uh, blue Tupperware containers. I literally think about this case anytime I'm putting like decorations and things away in, because if like my kid will like if that box is empty, my kid's gonna jump inside there and like hey, put the lid on me. Yeah, yeah, I yeah I can't. And it reminds me of this situation, and I get upset. So he put her in the bag in the plastic container and he left her down in the basement for, I mean, the entire time the police were searching for her. He continued to sexually assault her body until she was found by police eight days later. When asked in an interview later um, during an interview, Craig's wife, Catherine gave um, to news reporters. She said, our house smelled like it always did, which I'm sorry. What does your house normally smell like? If you didn't notice that there was a dead body in your basement, what the hell does your house smell like on a, like a regular basis? Um, she didn't notice anything different with her husband or her house during the time Destiny was missing. The, the day Craig went to speak to the police, obviously he never came home. He failed the polygraph. He made the confession. Um, so Catherine, that evening, approaches her neighbors to ask if they have seen her husband. They told her, you need to leave. Your husband was just arrested and charged with murder. And sh- they said she just calmly walked away. Like, she didn't seem surprised. Just was like, okay. Oh, I guess I'm free of him now. Gotta go. I don't know. God. So Craig went to court. And in order to avoid being drugged through this horrendous trial, prosecutors and the family agreed, the family of Destiny agreed, Um, that they would have Craig agree to do a plea deal. Basically they would offer Mm -hmm. him a plea deal. He would not receive the best. I am serious. The best penalty. The best penalty. He would not receive the death penalty if he pled guilty to his crimes. On December 4th, 2006, just days after what would have been Destiny's sixth birthday, Craig was convicted of capital murder and kidnapping. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole for the murder and 15 years for the kidnapping to be served consecutively, which means one after, after the, the next. So he's got 100 years plus, plus 15. 15. Um, that is the end of the story, but I did find something on Murderpedia. Just, that Before you yes. go on with this Murderpedia yes. situation, um, I remember this case when we were in Intro to Forensics yeah. with that awesome teacher. Um, he... I remember we had the actual medical examiner come in and speak to us about this. Yeah. This was probably one of the first times I had seen real, very graphic photographs from a crime scene. Yeah. And obviously, like, I handled it, but those those still, like, I still remember those pictures yeah. in that tub. And 
everything in the amount of bags that had been ripped open and to f- yeah yeah I remember everything I remember and and we that was at the very beginning of our schooling so we went through a lot after that and that was our so many cases together. and I I have a hard time remembering even if it's a case that we've talked about or learned about in school or seen the graphic photos of mm-hmm. I have such a hard time remembering specific cases or specific photos but there are two cases this is one of them where I just remember, I remember all of those photos that yeah. were shown to us. And that's not something, and we weren't even at the crime scene. We didn't go, no. we didn't process anything. We didn't touch any of that stuff, but I will still never forget what that looked like. The only other one happened actually in Salt Lake also at the melting pot and a sister murdered her brother. young brother. You told me about that one. I don't think I ever saw those ones. We We actually saw those together in... One of our classes. Okay, I actually do remember that. Our teacher went to BYU after that. Our teacher went to BYU? He he was a police officer. And after that, oh. he went to teach at BYU. You knew his son, I think. Anyway, that's not the point of this podcast. But the only reason I struggled is because the boy looked like my oldest son. So mm-hmm. that was like a hard one for me that I remembered. But this one is just above and beyond. And knowing the person that did it and like we weren't even close but to come into contact and have memories of someone like that and then they are um, such a like hor- what a horrible murder you know mm-hmm. what i mean anyway so he is obviously in prison for the rest of his life he's living um up at the point of the mountain in utah uh, in draper at the prison there and he now Well, I don't know if now anymore he does, but in October of 2006, he began writing to a pen pal, and he just talks in this letter about how, even though he didn't graduate high school, he's one of the smartest people he knows. What? What? How how do you even gauge that? I didn't graduate college or high school or anything like that, but I think I'm probably one of the smartest people I know. Um, I mean, there are plenty of people who didn't go to college that are extremely smart, but they also didn't murder a five-year-old girl. And they don't talk about how smart they are all the time. Smart people don't talk about how genius they are all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Seems anyway, a little narcissistic to me. Yeah. So he's he asks her all the... It ends, it's a woman that he's writing to. He asks her all these questions. Ugh. And one of his sentences is, um, if you have any questions for me, I'll answer any of them, except when it comes to my case. I don't like what happened, and I hate talking about it. Like, why was this woman writing him? Did I don't know. know. And and he asked, um, what's going on with you? How did you find my name and stuff? Why me? I'm sure you've seen my picture. And if all of you listening could please just Google him, we'll link a photo of him. Um, but he... I mean, we'll probably even post one on our Instagram. Yeah, we could post one on our Instagram. We should... Yeah, we'll do that. He's a goofus. He looked, you know, I Big don't know. dummy. Yeah. So that is Craig... Gregerson and the murder of Destiny Norton. Sweet baby girl. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.